to the sensual garden i am the sensual seductress aka mistress alluring this podcast is being brought to you by the sensual garden which is an online and in-person store for all your adults needs the sensual garden also offers intimacy coaching bdsm and kink and sex education via in-person zoom or podcast This podcast is for the mature, 18 and older. Don't forget, if you got any questions, comments, or concerns, you can drop me a line at thecentralgarden at gmail.com. Shop thecentralgarden.com. Check out my Patreon page. I'm on TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. So, without further ado, let's get into it. So, tonight, I have a guest. And we've been trying to get this together for a few months, but incidentals and accidentals have happened, but we got it tonight. So, to my listeners, please welcome Miss Indigo Knight. Hey, girl. Hi, can you hear me? I can. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Okay, that's what's up. So yeah. this is my first time doing a podcast with a guest who is not sitting directly next to me. Oh, okay. So per usual, my podcasts are um, raw and uncut. You know, <laughs> you get all my mistakes, my trip over words, all that good stuff. All right, cool. So I don't have to feel like super anxious about not saying the right thing or the wrong thing. Right. Take a deep breath. <laughs> Take a deep Oosah. breath. There you go. <laughs> so tonight I want to talk about, and I'm saying tonight, y'all, because it's dark outside. Mm-hmm. But anywho, I want to talk about addiction and kink and BDSM. Now, this idea was brought to me by Indigo. And like I said, we have been uh, hitting and missing each other. She got sick, I got sick, life got busy, but we got it now. Mm-hmm. So the way that I, that I do my interviews is you'll tell us about you, and then I have some questions, and then we can just do a free-for-all talk. Sound good? Sounds good to me. All right. Give us a little background on you. Uh, so, yep, my name is Indigo Kitty. Uh, you know, Kitty is the nickname, Knight. And um, I have been, I would say, I'll start with my polyamory journey. I've been polyamorous for over 20 years. I just turned 44, just had a birthday. Um, so I've been polyamorous for over 20 years and then I've been in, you know, I was in a domestic discipline relationship, um, almost 10 years ago, right before I got into recovery. And I'll talk a little bit about that. 
Um, and I realized, you know, how kinky I was. And so <laughs> <laughs> like the domestic discipline, you know, with that, you're supposed to like <clears throat> the person you're living with, you do as they say, you get everything ready. And it's more than just like uh, being a housewife or a girlfriend, a living girlfriend or something. It's really like you have to do this or there are consequences. And I found myself like doing things on purpose or not doing things on purpose to get spankings, you know? <laughs> oh, you got a little bread in you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I would, you know, I purposely forget stuff or purposely like he didn't want me to swear. So I would swear and, you know, just to get those, to get those spankings, I, I loved it. Um, and so, you know, fast forward when that relationship ended, I still really enjoyed like, you know, being choked. And, and I, I just kept running into partners that weren't doing that. And so one day I joined a group on Facebook and um, I found my first Dom that way. And um, it was a great experience. You know, we just kind of started going in different directions after a while. Um, but I learned so much from him. And um, I decided to put that put that aside and, you know, just kind of focus on a different relationship, a van- very vanilla relationship. Good guy, but just very vanilla. I mean, like, not even wanting to, like, choke me. Like, oh, oh. I feel uncomfortable. I'm like, mm, that. Mm, that's not sexy (laughs) what you mean you feel uncomfortable (laughs) you know that's not sexy so um I found myself and also he he's not polyamorous and I found myself really missing that part of myself um so I I told him but I always told him like listen at some point in a relationship I'm going to find other partners or another partner and he was always oh it's cool it's cool but, you know, fast forward to, to 22, I joined another Facebook group. I said, you know what? I think I'm ready to kind of get back into the scene, you know, after a kind of a two, two and a half year hiatus. And, um, you know, I, I ran into another. Oh, all righty. We have dead air. I think somehow something may have happened on her end. Can you hear me now? All right, thank you. She's back. <laughs> okay. Where did you leave? Where did I leave off? Uh, you were just telling us about you met your new partner. Oh, my new yes, my new dom in summer of twenty two, and um, I wasn't looking for one. I was actually looking more for a mentor because I realized I have a lot of switch energy. Okay. As well, um, you know, as as a woman who's bisexual, I like to dominate women. And okay. I, yeah. And so I was like, you know, um, cause I, I had been talking to this woman and I just realized how much I enjoyed that. Um, and, you know, I started talking to him and just about like, where can I find a mentor? And it was just instant, like, Oh, I miss this Dom energy. You know what I mean? I miss this. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And so, you know, our relationship really blossomed from a friendship, from um, sort of like a business perspective. Because when I entered into the relationship, I was like, I don't want a Dom for romantic reasons. I, I miss that discipline part. You know, I miss that accountability, okay. um, serving somebody. And 
you know, I kind of said, I need to get back into being a submissive in order to be a good dom. If I ever want to really be a good dom, I need to get what better way to learn than to really be under a dom. Can you say that one more time for the people in the back? (laughs) What better way to learn how to be a sub than to be under a dom? There you go. And or learn how to be a dom by being a sub, I should say. Same place. Um, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, we've been together over six months now. Um, I'm signed and collared. And, you know, throughout all of this, um, when I'm in my regular vanilla dating life or in my life, I'm a person in long-term recovery. So what that means is I haven't used drugs or alcohol in over 11 years. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, it's not to say that I think, oh, you know what I think is happening? Um, my phone keeps turning off and it's it's probably interrupting. So anyways, I say all that to say, like, I don't judge people, obviously, who use substances, but I know mm-hmm. that I can't. Okay. Um, you know, I was actively using a lot of different substances from the time I was like 15 all the way until I was 32 um, when I got into recovery, you know? And so it's, it's a major part of who I am, my recovery status. Um, You know, indigo is kind of my alter ego. So, because I I work in the field and, you know, it's just, I I can't have that part of my life intersect, but, you know, it's been really wonderful to have a Dom who understands my recovery and respects my recovery and ensures that I'm maintaining the things that I need to do for my recovery. You know, um, even when I've, you know, seen him, he's very respectful you know, he smokes his little weed, but he goes outside, he, you know, and he does, it's not like in my face and, you know, always asking like, are you okay with this? Like it, it and then I always tell him, it doesn't bother me. Weed don't bother me, but you know, it's just great to have somebody in my life who understands it and respects it. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. So are you ready for my little Q and A? Let's let's get it. Let's go. I'm not a shock jock, so I don't do surprises. And these are the same questions that I sent you in the beginning. (laughs) Absolutely. Not that I remember any of it, but okay. (laughs) Don't worry. I got them. Okay, good. Do you know what led you to, uh, we're just going to say substance abuse? Mm -hmm. So, um, and I'm... Let me just say, I'm not trying to correct you, but for your listeners, Mm -hmm. because I work in the field, we're really trying to move away from the word abuse because it, 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 um, you know, I'm all about educating and it really places a stigma on the person. Like the person is doing something wrong. Like they're abusing this substance. When you think of the word abuse, you don't associate anything good with it. Right. So when we, in the field, what we talk about is substance use disorder because in the, what is it? The the AMA, the American Medical Association has uh-huh. diagnosed, has created that, that substance use is now a disorder. It's a treatable 
medical condition. So we use substance use disorder. Um, use disorder. And we'll, okay. Yeah. And we'll say SUDS for short. Thank so, you for that, because I didn't know. I, a lot of people <laughs> don't. I mean, our federal government, which is SAMHSA, the something something on mental health and substance, they still say abuse. Yeah. So why would, you know, if you're not in the field, you don't know. There's even people in the field that still use it, still call mm-hmm. people things like junkies and crackheads and drunks, you know, yep. and there's nothing that that's why you hear me say I'm a person in recovery because recovery denotes, you know, rebuilding, mm-hmm. um, rebranding yourself. And so th- it's all positive. When you think of recovery, you think of healing whole you right. know, um, so uh, you'll never hear me say uh, I'm an addict because I'm not. I'm not currently in my active addiction. So, gotcha. Um, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So, sidebar to your question, um, I I think I started using substances because you know, in my teenage years, I had low self esteem. I had low self-esteem. You know, I went to a school out in the suburbs. Um, There was some, there was other black kids there and stuff, but, you know, I went to school mostly in the suburbs. So like the white kids thought I was from the hood and lived this gangster life and was in shoot, you know, it's just crazy. (laughs) Yeah. And then the black kids were calling me Oreo because, (laughs) I I was like in honors classes. I was smart, you know what I'm saying? I was one of the smart kids. So, you know, I was kind of a nerd. And um, so I didn't really feel like I fit in anywhere. And then as a dark-skinned woman, there was like stigma with that, you know, how that goes in colorism. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot going on for me, you know, growing up. And I think drugs was my escape. Like the first time I smoked weed, I remember like, feeling free like all that anxiety all the depression all of the the angst that teenage angst like disappeared and I felt like I had found my solution you know um but that solution eventually snowballed into a problem because my addiction progressed like while my friends kept using just weed like I progressed I started using ecstasy and then I started sniffing cocaine and then I started smoking coke and it was just like it was a progression and it was so cunning that I didn't even see it until like you know people talk about hitting that rock bottom Mm -hmm. so you know that's that's how it started what I believe started it was like the low self-esteem low self-worth um, and then finding people, then finding people who accepted me because I smoked weed, you know, mm-hmm. gotcha. and also dealing with a mental health condition. You know, I, I suffer from depression and that made me feel better. I was self-medicating, you know, I didn't know I was depressed. I was being bullied in school and all of this stuff. So that was like a solution. And I I say that to anybody there's people out there who use substances. They're not addicts, but they use substances. It's a form of self-medication. And yeah. sometimes it works. And, you know, for some of us, it, it we cross the line. Yeah, coping mechanisms or what you think is a coping mechanism. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, how many times over the years did you try to quit before you just full-fledged, like you said, hit rock bottom? Um, 
I would say maybe three or four times. Um, and, you know, when I first, when I first started, like I said, it, it was like fun. I was smoking blunts and stuff with my friends, you know, my early my my from 17 to like 20 21 then when I, I think I hit like around 21 I remember having like a kind of come to Jesus moment and I was that was the first time I I had two boyfriends and I just felt like I was so out of control and mm-hmm. so I decided to go get baptized you know mm-hmm. and uh you know it, that that didn't cure me like that didn't cure some of the desires that I had that didn't cure the feelings of emptiness and loneliness that I had. Mm-hmm. So I went back to smoking. Um, and then I think smoking and, and like I said, using ecstasy a lot. <laughs> it's like, you know, people use it, but I knew there was something a little wrong, but okay. I was in denial for a while. Okay. So then I, um, you know, I, I, I ended up meeting the father of my kids and I still would smoke weed here and there try to stop. So there was a lot of times when I would try to stop or I would try to manage my use. Like, you know, I'd only use on the weekends. So I'd only use Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Then I was like, okay, well, you know, then it, I was like, well, I could use on Thursday because technically Friday, you know, I don't have much to do. And then it was like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You know, mm-hmm. well, I need a little pick me up because I was, you know, hung over from Sunday. So let me let me use again on Monday. So like it eventually it was every single day. And um, I would say I seriously tried to stop, though, in 2008. And I was pregnant again with my third child. So I really seriously tried to stop then. And, um, you know, that that didn't that lasted nine months and right after I had her um well like two months after I had her I um I went back to using on my birthday and yeah and then you know I was I was kind of out there again for a while um always tried to hide it I always like had a job so that's why I didn't feel like you know I, I didn't feel like I was like one of those other people I really compared myself to to what I seen on the street and I'm like well I ain't begging for change I got a house I have a job I maintain blah 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 you know and yeah. again that can be deceiving that can keep you in denial yeah because I think uh I've heard a few people that will say I'm in I am a functioning drunk or right. I'm a functioning this right they don't say addict but they'll attach whatever it is that they're using Mm-hmm. to the function and right hold down a job uh still maintain bills and some sense of normalcy mm-hmm. then they're functioning right okay and i definitely was one of those people for a long time because yeah i could hold down but there comes a point where you have to when you take a step back Mm-hmm. And I looked at the totality of my life and the relationships that were in my life. And, you know, I was unmanageable in my emotions. I was unmanageable with, you know, even my kids. Like, my kids wasn't getting the best part of me. You mm-hmm. know, they weren't. 
Um, and But now that I'm 11 years in recovery, I can look back and be honest about that. I can look back and be like, my some relationships were affected because I was using. My parents didn't trust me. Some of my friends didn't want to be a part of me. You know, I was like borrowing money, not paying it back. Like, you know, but again, well, I still have a job, so that's fine. You know, I can always yeah. pay you back, you know. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's really, like I said, the disease of addiction is really cunning. It's it's like a hidden, it's like a snake that goes around your your feet, and you see it and you feel it, but you don't you don't get it until it's like right up to your neck choking you, Ooh. you know. Yeah, it's 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 really like sometimes it's difficult to see and to detect in yourself, and your family might tell you, your friends might tell you, but the de- the wall of denial be so high, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> no pun intended, <laughs> but. <laughs> be so high that you can't see it you you know you can't see it until like you're either in jail or you're ending up in the hospitals or you're losing your job you know what I mean until you get to those points so something traumatic has to happen for you yeah wait I'm I'm for real gone yeah because that's that's what happened with me like you know I don't want to tell too much of my story because I don't want to give too much of my identity away (laughs) but um you know, it was it was a big thing that happened, um, and my family was looking for me, and that's how, like, basically the cat came. You know, the it, it was out the bag. Like everybody oh. knew I had a problem. Everybody was looking for me, and I had to admit what was going on. And that was early 2011. So again, I tried early 2011 to uh, to to quit or. You know, I would try to use in different ways. Like I said, just on the weekends, I say, okay, I'm just keeping on the weekends. But I found myself, I couldn't even drink anymore because every time I drank, I'd want to do Coke. So I couldn't drink anymore. And then I was like, okay, I'll try to just smoke weed. But then weed started messing with me and making me too paranoid. And I need to, you know, not be paranoid. So I'd want to drink. So I wouldn't be paranoid, but then that drink, it was a vicious cycle. So eventually, you know, in October of 2011, I finally like, I don't know, I, I feel like I had a spiritual awakening. Okay. And, you know, that's when I finally was able to stop. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, this is not what I want my life to be. I, Cause I knew it was just going to get worse. You know, um, mm-hmm. I didn't know what my life was going to be like, you know, but I, I just knew it had to be better. I knew I wanted my thirties to be better than my twenties. And the only way I was going to do that if I, if I stopped, gotcha. cause it really was, yeah, it's just going to keep getting worse, you know, oh. and I got scared. <laughs> I, I, I can't even imagine. Did you, um, did you go to a facility or did you do it on your just cold turkey? You know how people, some people can quit drinking. Some people can quit smoking cigarettes. Some people can quit weed, just cold yeah. turkey. Yeah, I did it. I did a cold turkey. I, um, the first time when I told you in 2008, I went to a facility, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was all women. I could bring my kids. And like I said, I was pregnant at the time and I went to a facility 
the second time in 2011, I knew I didn't want to go into a facility again because the last time it was good. It was fine, but it was like, I was the only black girl there. And I remember even being pregnant. Like I was like, I will fight you. Don't mess with me. Like, you know, just yeah. living with strangers and women, it's just like bound to happen. So yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, I didn't want to go into a facility. I did go to like outpatient um, counseling. Okay. Um, I went to outpatient counseling. I also um, started seeing a psychiatrist to get my depression under control. And I think that was also huge because I started, you know, um, using medication for my depression. And finally, like it was, I was better. You know, I was like starting to see the light. And um, I also started attending 12 step meetings, you know, for people who don't know those like, you know, Narcotics Anonymous or Alcoholics Anonymous. I started doing that and getting involved in that community. I found a job, um, you know, about a year later in the field. And it's been good ever since. Like, it's not perfect by any means. I've had to go through a lot. And I've had mm. to do that. I always tell people, I'm like, I'm out here raw dog in life. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I don't, I, I stopped drinking coffee a few years ago. Um, I don't, I don't use any sort of substances. Like, I got nothing but me and me and my crystals. That's it. <laughs> you know, that's it. I hear you. I hear you. So you answered Actually, all of my questions except one, and we can actually take that one question and go to the free-for-all section. Okay. So, you've had dominance before. You are poly. Mm -hmm. So, how did the suds, how did that play with the kink and the BDSM and the poly? Especially once you stopped with mm-hmm. all the extracurricular stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'll rewind again back to 2011. So at that time, what happened with the relationship I was in, the domestic um, discipline relationship, you know, he he really helped me. Um I'm glad he won't hear this podcast because he always want to take credit for my recovery. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, but he helped me. In a, great. <laughs> right. He did help me in a sense of um, it was like the last night I used, I, uh, I had just started dating him. We had been dating for like three or four months. Um I had given him my a key to my place, like you know, here you go. He knew he knew my story. He knew I was trying to stop, and I hadn't used for like maybe a month before this last time. And um, you know, somebody called me up. I got something, blah blah blah, and we were at my house and we were using. And I'm like, I'm like, I think he's gonna come here. He has a key now. He's gonna come. I'm getting paranoid. I'm like, he's gonna come. We gotta leave. So we leave, I come back like seven in the morning or something. And uh, he comes at like nine o'clock in the morning. And he's like, I came by here at like three and you weren't home. Where were you? And I was honest with him. I said, I was out using. 
And he's like, you love using more than you love me, more than you love your kids, your parents. And it was in that moment that I was like, no, I don't. Like I had a moment of clarity and I was like, no, I don't love it more than, you know, my family and friends. I just couldn't stop. But he was just, after that, he sort of basically moved in. He's one of those homosexuals. Uh, um, <laughs> I don't know those people in the winter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it sure was about to be winter, too. I live in the Northeast, too. Mm. The, the, the indigo today would never deal with a man like that, you know, today. But he helped me because he, he sort of moved in and he was just like, you know, I'm going to I'm going to be on you and blah, blah, blah. And this is how we're going to do things. And I was like, okay. Like I was kind of desperate, you know, for that. Yeah. And so, you know, now that I have more of a clear head though, when it comes to submission, um, I'm a, I'm a service oriented person in general. So I like to help people like that is, that is my calling. That is my, that's that's my spirit um and so to serve and then be rewarded I have a very high praise kink to be rewarded um you know from my from my dom is it's like you know it's like a double whammy for me um it really helps me in my recovery because again I'm serving somebody it helps me because I can't I can't decide tonight, like, you know what, I'm going to go get a drink. Even if it was just a drink, I'm going to go get a drink because I'm only supposed to be drinking water. (laughs) (laughs) I'm only supposed to be drinking water. Um, You know, I, I, I would have to, there would be so much I'd have to do to cover up my using right now. Um, Mm -hmm. And and our dynamic is pretty it's pretty different. I have other subsisters. So at any given time I can talk to somebody else, like even if I felt like using. I, and to be honest, I haven't felt like using in years. That's like great. Years. Yeah, like no cravings, nothing. And because I, you know, some of us in the recovery world, we say our worst day in recovery is better than our best day using like we there's been so many nightmares while I was using I never want to go back to that and then like I said just have people be disappointed in me have my dom be disappointed in me you know this intersection for me of recovery and BDSM it it helps you know and um my the domestic discipline partner he kind of helped me also because when you're in recovery or you're starting a recovery you can replace one thing for another so he would only allow me to um you know be intimate with him like once a week and that's only if I was good oh and because we talked about not replacing drugs for sex okay um which made a lot of sense you yeah. know um you can replace drugs when you're in recovery you can i've seen a lot of people go to gambling 
or smoking more cigarettes or drinking more coffee or, you know, a lot of caffeine, all of that stuff. So, you know, it, it, it really helped me. And especially in my first year of recovery, that really, really helped me. Hmm. So in, in the lifestyle, I know I read a lot of books and a Mm -hmm. lot of books that uh, are fictional and they have these clubs and they have like maybe a two drink minimum if you're mm-hmm. going to play. Now mm-hmm. I belong to a club, but there is absolutely no alcohol, drugs, none of that on the premises. Not allowed. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, well, because you know, anything that alcohol, drugs, even weed, anything like that can cloud your judgment. Mm-hmm. Uh, loosen your inhibitions even sometimes depending on how much you consume you know it'll take your heart limit and turn it into a maybe mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. with that being said and you are in recovery and you had the domestic discipline and you had the uh, BDSM dominant and now you have a dominant would you advise even one drink, one puff, you know, when you're trying to play, because they, they can be kind of dangerous depending mm-hmm. on, you know, your tolerance. Right. Um, yeah, that's great to hear, actually, that there's a two drink or one drink minimum, because, you know, to be honest, you know, when we talk about safe, sane, consensual. hmm Drugs and alcohol, like I said, I don't judge people about it, but it changes. It's a mood or mind altering substance. Mm -hmm. They are mood and mind altering, meaning you can't really consent fully when you're even tipsy sometimes. You know what I mean? It lowers alcohol, lowers your inhibitions. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, with weed, you know, nowadays too, like I said, I work in the field and I have seen so many people having overdoses, even just smoking weed because there's fentanyl in it. Same with cocaine, same with any of these pressed pills. Like, you know, if if you're going to even use those so, sort of substances, you got to get them tested ahead of time and you can still use them. You can put a little bit in the testing, in a testing kit. I don't know how it goes state by state. Sometimes at the pharmacy, you can find them or even um, like a needle exchange place, you know, where they hand out methadone or needles. Um, but you can test your drugs, you know, and it, it's really, it can save your life. So I, I'm all for, you know, a, a minimum amount of alcohol in some of these clubs. You know, I, I don't want to speak on something that I I saw you know in a group about um like shrooms you know that's become kind of the popular thing psychedelics yeah um (laughs) and I've and I'm just like I was a little floored by that and not because I'm in recovery but just because I'm like I know what that can do to you like I've read what it can do to you I'm scared of it yeah I mean that's just like, like I would never one of the other drugs is uh like ecstasy or molly 
anybody playing trying to use that while they play unless it's like your partner if that's your person that's a different story but to go to any sort of event or clubs or anything like that mm -mm. yeah no not at all i when i go to the dungeon like i said where i go there is absolutely no alcohol no drugs none of that permitted mm. and so when i go i'm sober mm -hmm. but if i'm home and i decide i want to play at home i may have right. a drink right you know learn mm -hmm. the hard way don't get drunk and play Mm. <laughs> and I'm sure you don't feel certain things either <laughs> that's why I said I learned the hard way don't get drunk and play <laughs> Right. I did not right. feel what I thought I was going to feel but I saw the big bruise the next day mm. Mm -mm -mm. and as, as light as I am mm -hmm. no <laughs> <laughs> people's probably like are you okay blink twice if you're okay right <laughs> like, Right. Oh, so man. now you said, and this because this is, I don't want to say uh, strange, but this is new to me. Mm -hmm. You said you went and got baptized, yeah, and you still felt empty. Mm -hmm. And and I, I I I'm bringing it up because a lot of religious people will say once you get baptized you're saved, you're filled, you're this, you're that, you're whole, you're complete. Right. Baptism doesn't stop the internal hurt. Mm -mm. It doesn't nope. stop the mental anguish. Not at all. Mm -mm. And sadly in a lot of churches, once you get baptized, there's no one to walk with you on that spiritual journey of being baptized. Mm -hmm. So you're left to your own devices and that's when people go to doubt God. Well, I thought I was saved. Right. Yep. Yep. I remember that New Year's Eve because it was like before New Year's Eve and I remember coming home and being on my knees, bawling, crying, because I felt so alone. I felt so, so alone. And I was about to be 21. And um, I just felt, I just felt alone. I felt like really, really low. And, um, you know, religion or spirituality there's also the piece I think sometimes religion or even spirituality you know there's a, a lot of people that's like love and light but yeah. they don't <laughs> you know they don't account for trauma um and I definitely had trauma in my life um by that stage um they don't account for mental health you know no. i I was dealing with depression. You know, people want to tell you, you can pray it away. You can meditate it away. No, sometimes you need medication. Sometimes you need a therapist. I've had a therapist now for the past three years. And I'm like, I ain't never giving her up. Mm -mm. You move, I move. What, where are we going? What you said, what you said <laughs> and, and I, I'm a test to that because I just recently started therapy. I have anxiety and depression and I had a mm -hmm. lot of stuff that I need to work through. 
Mm -hmm. and I'm a spiritual person. I pray, I meditate. Uh, I just recently started chanting. But baby, this ain't a one and done by yourself. Mm -mm, Not at all. I'm on medication for my anxiety. This is not a one and done. This is a lifestyle change. Yes, yes. Fully. And, and, you know, I think the reason why, like, I came to you about, you know, addiction in this lifestyle, because I I think it was because I saw that, you know, um, event about, like, you, you know, using shrooms and stuff while playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, wow, that kind of blew me. And then, you know, I think about mental health in this mm-hmm. lifestyle. You know, there's people, you know, we're we're in a group together and um, Mm -hmm. I've seen some things in even in the group or sometimes people will inbox me certain things and they're going through it. Mm -hmm. And how do we, you know, I think I'll say this, like I, I I'm a masochist, so pain feels really good to me. Mm-hmm. And I realized, like, you know, the last time I was um, in a scene with my with my daddy, the last time it was like um, I was crying. I was crying, crying, like real tears. But it felt so good to release. Like, mm-hmm. how, how often do we get a chance to really release in that way? You right. know, if you don't. And so... I know this lifestyle can be, there are aspects to it that are therapeutic. There are aspects absolutely that are therapeutic, but it's not, I I believe that, you know, when you're trying to heal, you got to do everything you can. So that's why I'm in therapy. I take my medication. um, I'm in this dynamic. I also make sure make time with my friends. I meditate. I use my crystals. I just got a set of um, sound healing bowls. Like I, yeah, I'm going to do it in the group on Sunday. Oh, wait, maybe not Sunday. Yeah, I'm going to play them um, for for the group. So I'll know. I will. I, I will. The, I love the Tibetan bowls and stuff like that. Yes. So I just got a set from one of my sub sisters for my birthday. So I'm gonna be. I know. So I can't wait to like play it. I have a big crystal one too. So I have now. I have like nine different size bowls. I'm like. I'm, I'm about so to be the. Jay. I'm so. <laughs> I'm so jealous right now. I just want one, and it's got a lotus on the bottom of it. Oh. It's in my Amazon cart. Yep. <laughs> okay, send me the link. Send me the link. Let me see what it looks like. I'll see if I. It is so pretty. Um, yeah. Um. But yeah. So I, you know, I tell people that my recovery is like a stew, and so that's how my life is. You know. Um. I do a mix of different things for self care. I, you know, and and BDSM and kink is one of them. You know, I'm. Uh, one of the things that we're doing in our dynamic is we're building a business on, you know, the intersection of decolonizing um, sex and kink and as a form of healing and holistic yeah. healing. So, you know, we, we're building um, an academy, Black Triskillion. We're building an academy um, on education and, you know, different different things to really 
yeah, to really build up the community, you know, yeah. so um, because I think that you and I had a conversation about, you know, the community and kind of like the new yeah. way people are doing things and the old way, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's why I do the podcast and that's why I do the reels and the stuff on TikTok and Facebook mm-hmm. and Instagram because the education is needed. Everybody want to play. Nobody mm-hmm. wants to read. Right. Or do the work. You know. Right. And yeah. I am so very thankful that you reached out to me about this because this is not something that is often talked about in the community. Right. This is something, one of those things that's kind of, well, we know that they do this and then third, so we just going to bar them from the activities. We're going to have something, but we ain't going to tell such and such. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's one of those things. So I I commend you. I congratulate you and happy belated birthday. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> because that you have come a long way, honey. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Have you. Come a long way. You have such a beautiful spirit. Thank you so much. Yeah. And I just, I just, you know, for any listeners out there, if you're struggling, you can find me on Facebook, Indigo Kitty Night. You can inbox me if you're struggling, if your family's struggling. Like I said, this is my, this is my life's work, you know. So I am a, a trained. It's not a counselor, but I'm a trained what they call like a recovery coach. Some people call them sober coaches, but I'm a trained recovery coach. So I've been trained to help people, you know, walk their journey of recovery, whatever that might look like. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, if you're listening, you're struggling out there, especially in the community, because it can be, it can be to find other people who are not using substances nowadays, you know, and so I'm sure I'm not alone in being in recovery or, you know, being somebody who doesn't use substances. I know I'm not alone. Some people might not consider themselves in recovery, but just even the fact of not using substances can be, you know, a little bit isolating. So Yeah, because um, you're not the cool kid. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And I I've come to terms with that because I'll I'll go to clubs though and I'll see people. They got their drink in their hand and they're on the wall and I'm on the dance floor. I'm like, ain't y'all supposed to be loose like me? What's up? <laughs> Boy, I'm I'm silly with it. Like I'm gonna get on the dance floor. I mean first and the last on the dance floor. Uh, Nothing in me. I told you. Yeah. So nothing wrong with that. And hats mm-hmm. off to your dom, your daddy, your sister subs for building you up and supporting you and having that respect and love for you that they don't put whatever they're doing in front of you that is awesome because a lot of people don't even take in consideration to do stuff like that they just do whatever in front of whomever they don't care right right no they're very very respectful you know the like i said we're we're building up together black triskelion we have our um, our page on Facebook, um, Black BDSM Elite, and it's growing. I don't know if you've been in there, but it's growing. We're like 300 and some change members. Of, uh, I think a 
peeked in a couple of hours ago. But yeah, I know when my notification goes off, it's like y'all are welcoming like six to ten members at a time, not wanting to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's pretty it's pretty cool because we're welcoming people in and we're creating a safe space for people too. Yes. Like we don't play any games. No, like don't, don't inbox. <laughs> We're like, don't inbox any of our members. Yes. Don't inbox a sub. Don't, no, no. People have gotten, we have removed people from our group for that. Oh, you know, I've not, seen it. Yeah, yeah. We're not playing games. That's right. So, you know, when we're, we're about fun and education. You yes. Know, so, and please share your podcast. Every episode, please share it in the group. <laughs> I will. I will. I, mm -hmm. I, I forget that everybody is not my friend and I post the links on my Facebook page mm -hmm. because I don't want to uh, be violating anybody group rules. Well, <laughs> as the ad, as one of the admins, you have my permission, Miss um, Seductress, to <laughs> post in our group on Sundays. You know, I know. Um, I'll tell the other admins and mods I gave you permission. Because okay. we are about education and I don't always see, you know how the algorithm is on Facebook. Yes. If you don't interact with somebody every day, you don't see this stuff. So yes. I don't always get to see it. I have subscribed and I listen, but then it's not on Facebook. So it's like, I'm keeping the information to myself too. And then yeah. I forget to share. Shoot, I forgot to, I was like, I forgot to come on here. <laughs> <He was> <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I spaced out. You know, the time okay. difference messes with me. Yeah, um, it's okay. Yeah. But yeah, share it every Sunday, please. I will. And this has been great. I Again, I thank you for opening up as much as you did. I really, really, really appreciate it. We're going to have to do some more of these. We Absolutely. Do some more of these. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, you know, not not to toot my my dynamics horn but i think we have a pretty it's definitely different you know but we're we're poly you know and so you know i'm i'm with my dom but I, i'm also with one of my sub sisters and i don't know if i want to call her a sub sister anymore though it's kind of weird but anyways yeah uh, but we those of us in the community we get what you're saying get it right <laughs> yeah so but you know we're all even if we're not together romantically or sexually yeah. we're we we consider ourselves a family you and know that's how it's and, supposed to be yeah yeah so you know maybe one day you can have one of them or have you know uh my daddy on the show talk about his stuff you definitely do this again Oh, of course. I I had worked out something with him, but then I lost my voice. <laughs> oh, right. And right. our schedules have just been crazy. So I, I reached out to him a while back, but I have not reached back out because it's just been, yeah, it's been a little hectic. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's the holiday season, and now we're in Mercury retrograde, girl. Oh, it's God. been a mess. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, <crazy> yeah, me, <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's the other thing I'm into is astrology. I'm a bigger, I'm a, I'm a baby astrologist too, so I'll be following the stars. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm I'm in my mind. I'm envisioning a whole nother podcast. I'm gonna have to get some of my lovely kinky uh spiritualist people on here. My, uh, yeah, the crystals and uh the witches. Oh, voodoo yeah. practitioners. Yeah. Cuz I want to know how all this or if it even affects your kink life. Mm, it does. So it does. that's gonna be another that's gonna be another podcast. Yeah, part two, because we could talk about that too. Cause I am <laughs> definitely, you know, in our dynamic, I'm the one that's like, hey y'all, it's Mercury retrograde. Make sure and check your cards. Da da da. I'm the one that takes everybody's information to do their natal chart, you know, and here's a crystal to help this and here's a herb to help that. So I'm I'm definitely one of the ones in the group. So all right, I'm gonna have to have you back for real. <laughs> <laughs> anytime, Sif. Anytime. I got you. Well, we're gonna wrap it up again. Thank you so much, Indigo. I am the Central Seductress, aka Mistress Alluring, and this is the Central Garden Podcast. Don't forget to look me up on Facebook, the Central Seductress. On Instagram, the underscore essential underscore garden. On TikTok, the sensual seductress 69. Twitter, the sensual garden. And I have a Patreon page. And y'all know I'm still trying to figure that out. So charge to my head and I'm hard. <laughs> and in the meantime, be well. Keep it safe. Keep it sane, keep it consensual, and by all means, as Indigo said, if you are struggling or know someone who is struggling, please reach out. Please. Your health is important. Your life is important. So please reach out to somebody. And with that being said, until next time, thank you. Yeet!